Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We're giving God thanks one more time. Uh, special welcome and greetings to all our visiting friends uh, who have taken the time out just to be with us online tonight. We want to greet you in the name of the Lord, and we trust that your heart uh, will be blessed and that you will be challenged uh, to uh, dive much more deeper into the words of God and to be challenged by the message that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us in his word. At this time, we'll be going back to Leviticus chapter 4. As we continue to look on the purification offering, some call it the sin offering. Leviticus chapter 4. Last week, we were looking on the, the offering as it relates to the, the congregation, the nation of Israel, when they sin against the Lord, a sin that was that they were not aware of, an unintentional sin, and once it was made known once they became aware of it they had to act in ridding themselves of the guilt that they let's look at Leviticus chapter 4 verse 22 says when a ruler had sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done and is guilty I'll read it from the King James Version tonight or if his sin wherein he had sinned come to his knowledge he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats a male without blemish and he shall lay his hand up on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they, they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering. And shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning the sin and it shall be forgiven him praise the name of the lord i particularly read from the king james tonight because there's one part that in the opening verse we notice something that's quite different from what we have read before from the high priest when he sinned before the lord from the congregation and when they uh, sinned before the lord here we're dealing with a leader and the leader here now is considered a uh, a tribal um, leader and so if we recall for the high priest in Leviticus chapter 4 and verse 1 going down to verse 3 it says if the high priest or if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people and we know that not the priest that is anointed is the high priest and then let him bring for his sin but if we want to know that the new living translation does not 
show us um, this. But in the King James Version and other versions, I, I believe it is significant. Perhaps from the New Living Translation, we may have overlooked it, but it is significant. So it's if for the high priest, and when we look now, going down in the issue with the, the congregation, he said, and if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly. Once again, we notice if. So these actions will be taken if there is a sin. But when it comes to the, the ruler, the scripture tells us when, not if a ruler, but when a ruler had sinned. And this is significant or important because as it relates to the duty of the ruler, the tribal uh, ruler, or anyone that is lifted up above the people. And that, that, that word ruler from the Hebrew root, it means to be lifted up. So anyone that is placed in a position above the people, uh, if they, not if, he says when they sin, because leaders do err. And done somewhat through ignorance. Once again, it's through ignorance. Unintentional. Against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, concerning things which should not be done and is guilty. So one more time, we recognize in his actions, he errs, he transgressed the laws or the commandments of the Lord God, and it has rendered him guilty before the Lord. He said, or if his sin wherein he had sinned come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. And so, last week, when we look on the congregation, when they sinned before the Lord, it was required of the congregation to bring uh, a young bull, young bull before the Lord. And this is more costly, uh, an offering in comparison to the offering that the, uh, the ruler or the leader uh, will bring uh, before the Lord. He's bringing a, a goat. A male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat. And I'm just to make sure everyone is in tune, I'm going to ask a question tonight. And the first one who wants to answer, they may do so. What is the significance of the laying of the hand? Can unmute your microphone and you can answer. Um, I could answer, but I'd like to see if anybody else would like to. Is it this uh, the principle of substitution? Then. Pardon? He's identifying the animal as a substitute yes. and to transfer. Transfer one's guilt onto the animal. So very, very good, Sister Jody. Thank you very much, Sister Jody. And so 
once again the ruler lays his hand on the animal a young kid or a goat male without blemish whatever is we are offering to the lord must be without blemish and when he lays his hand upon the head of the goat and the laying means um, uh, leaning against because when a man uh, sins against the Lord, the wrath of God, we're under his wrath and it presses against us. And so likewise, the guilt that one is bearing when he identifies his offering, he lays his hand upon the head of the animal. And the animal is now a substitute. And this animal will represent, will take on his guilt to be offered up before the Lord because man cannot communicate or cannot have fellowship with God in a clear um, state of mind when guilt is present. The guilt uh, must be taken away. And so we, we, we spoke about that the last time. That's when... Uh, Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord and they hid from the presence of the Lord. That means they were away from God, hiding. Can you imagine outside of the presence of the Lord? And God came um, seeking for mankind. He called out to Adam to have a conversation. And that's God. It's always God who who, who, who opens the way for man to find himself back in right standing with God. A man can never do that for himself. We, we have all sorts of religion. And, it's, and that is just man trying to appease his own conscience. But it is God that has to make a way. It is God that has to offer a sacrifice. That to give man the instructions as to how they can come back to him, can approach him and be in right standing. And so he lay his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering. He kills it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. We recognize again At this time, he kills the he kills the the goat um, where the burnt offering sacrifice takes place, and the priests, not not the anointed priest, but one of the priests that serves, uh, shall take. Of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering. And what was the significance of the horns again? Salvation. of the Lord. Yeah. The strength, somebody say the strength of the Lord? Yes. Okay, that's good. Brilliant. Yes, it represents the strength of the Lord, uh, salvation, uh, deliverance, rescue, safety, welfare, victory. Uh, uh, that's what the horns of the altar represent. Thank you very much. I, I did not get, catch your voice, but thank you very much. And so... All of this now is taking place around the burnt offering, uh, the burnt altar rather. He shall pour it, pour it, dip his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all fat upon the altar. As the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And so if we remember clearly. 
the, this occasion for the ruler as to how he's going to offer his offering uh, or sin offering or offering of purification, it is similar in some some way to the peace offering that we read of um, in chapter or the burnt offering rather that we read of in in chapter one. It says that he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And remember the fat is the price possession and it belongs to the Lord. The best part belongs to the Lord. Whatever we are giving to the Lord, we are, we are to select the best part for him. Our offering to the Lord Whatever, whatever, whatever we're giving to God, our service must be the best of our service. God always demands the best. Once again, the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven. Once again, we recognize that once these instructions were carried out by faith, the sin, whether it be of the high priest, of the congregation, of the, of the ruler, their sins will be forgiven. Whatever the reason may be, the sin whatever sin they had committed and we know we're dealing now with unintentional sin the sin was wiped clean by faith in offering these sacrifices it was wiped clean and so let us let us recognize brethren what the Lord is teaching us is that there are some sins that affect us in a, differently from others. The high priest, we don't have a, a high priest as it relates to a human being. Uh, Jesus Christ has become our high priest. And he's not after uh, the, the order of Aaron, but after Mel. Kizidek, our high priest. And so, in serving in that capacity, if the high priest, when he sins, it affects the whole nation. Whole entire nation. And because of that, his offering has to be uh, of a more expensive type. And likewise, in the congregation, if the nation sins against the Lord. This teaches us, brothers and sisters, that sin affects us in different ways. You know, sin of a group. We can't just sit idly and just say, you know what, I'm just responsible for myself. But once we align ourselves with a group, we become responsible. And the pastor is not the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. But as a whole, we can look on it even as, as a church. And we become guilty before the Lord. It defiles us as a body before him. And, but the beauty about it, brothers and sisters, is that once we are aware, and this is what Leviticus 4 is teaching us, whether it be the high priest, the, uh, the nation, and the, the ruler, or 
uh, or the individual, once we are aware, confession must be made. Once they are aware of the guilt, of the sin, they must come clean before the Lord. Sin must not be covered up. Because sin defiles us. Defile an individual. It defiles uh, a congregation of people. It defiles a whole nation. So, once we are aware of our sins, we must take the necessary steps. And we thank God that Jesus Christ has become the ultimate sacrifice. Whether it be uh, intentional sin or unintentional sin, Jesus Christ and his shedding of his blood dealt with every sin, whether unintentional or intentional, and the nature of sin. First Peter 1 and verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Peter it is, is looking back on the whole sacrificial system and the sprinkling of the blood, sprinkling it upon the horns of the altar uh, before uh, the holy place. And he's saying that Jesus Christ has, has fulfilled all of that. First John 1 and verse 7 said, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanseth us from all sin. Not just some, all sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood Without the blood, there is no remission or no forgiveness, no removal of sin. Man cannot be clean. But the blood brings uh, forgiveness. The blood brings life. He said, uh, and, uh, and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanseth us from all sin. Let's look at Hebrews 9 and verse 22. It says, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Blood had to be shed. These animals... Leviticus chapter 4 under the sacrificial system. Their blood was given for an atonement. But we thank God tonight that the perfect sacrifice, John calls him the Lamb of God, that came to take away the sin of this world. So, here we understand, brothers and sisters, again from Leviticus, uh, we're, we're at chapter 4 now, that once there is sin in our lives, once sin is resident in our life, something becomes broken as it relates 
over service, over, over, over devotion to the Lord is interrupted by sin. And we no longer approach him, especially once we become aware of it and guilt sets in and we don't take action. We cannot, it will prevent anybody, doesn't matter who the individual is. Once guilt sets in, and we see this in the hierarchy, the high priest, he speaks about the, con the congregation, the nation of Israel, the ruler, and then the individual. Once guilt sets in, the relationship is affected. No longer enjoy the benefits of God's presence. That's why one should be ready to confess, to come before him, let him know exactly what has happened. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 tells us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And if we are walking in the spirit. And we are fulfilling the will of God. Once. Guilt or anything that affects our relationship. We will not. Seek to fulfill the will of the Lord. That's why, that's why John writes to us and he says, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father, his love for God is not in him. It means... He, he won't be able to perform the will of God. So Jesus says, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So sin have a, a, a great impact on our life as it relates to our duty and our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And Ephesians 5 and verse 18 Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And as I particularly uh, select these passages of scriptures to let us understand with what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us as a people in giving us His Spirit, going to the cross, shedding His blood, given his life once and for all. That's something to be repeated. These sacrifices that we read about, they had to be repeated. Every time the ruler finds himself in a state of guilt, he had to act. But now we can come to the Lord with boldness. We can call upon him. He says, 1 John 1 and verse 19, he said, if we confess our sins, it's the power of confession. We thought about uh, that last year in our series on repentance. If we confess our sins, God, he is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. God is just. He's able to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And don't let the enemy allow you to remain in a state of guilt to tell you that the Lord will not pardon you. Open the Bible and read it aloud. 1 John 1 verse 9 If we confess the ball is in our court we're aware that there is something that has disrupted the relationship with the Lord. So if we confess Tell him he is faithful. He's going to act on our behalf. Once we tell him he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, to wipe, give us a clean, clean sheet, clean bill of. Uh, spiritual health to cleanse us from all our sin similarly as well we just finish up this part but it speaks of now verse 27 of Leviticus 4 of the common people or the individual sin again through ignorance doing something against the commandments of the Lord concerning the things that should not be done finds themselves in a guilty state they are aware of their sin they must bring as an offering for their sin a female goat something that is less costly than the sin of, than the offering of a ruler but a female goat with no defect. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and, the and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar of the offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the goat's fat just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. Once again, this is taking place in the, in the area of the burnt, uh, the altar of burnt offering, that he must remove all the goat's fat, just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar. It belongs to the Lord. We talk about the, uh, the, the, the smoke or the aroma, which is like the prayers of the saints going up before the Lord into the presence of the Lord as a uh, as a pleasing aroma he will be burnt he will burn the fat on the altar and it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord pleasing through this process the priest will purify the people making them right with the Lord and they will be forgiven the people bring a sheep as their sin offering. It must be a female with no defect. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. Once again, the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He'll pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the sheep's fat, just as he does with the fat of a sheep presented as a peace offering he will burn the fat on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the lord through this process the priest will purify the people from their sin making them right with the lord and they will be forgiven so we have more than one different kinds of offering that can be offered as it relates to the individual uh, man is left without an excuse we don't have an excuse. God gives, God 
what a loving God that we serve. He provides everything that will give us the ability to come to him. That's why the scripture tells us for God so loved the world. The corrupt world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, anybody who believes on him. Doesn't matter if we're from a quote-unquote so-called good family. No, that didn't qualify you. The only thing that qualifies us is to believe on him. It doesn't matter where we're coming from. It doesn't matter if we're the outcast of society. Jesus said, believe on me. And you will not perish, but have everlasting life. What a wonderful Lord we serve. Everything that is needed. The old system is, had to do with unintentional sin, but everything that is needed to deal with the sin of humanity has been provided by the Lord. One sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed, the blood that appeased the wrath of God, once we believe on him, there's none that will perish, but we'll all enjoy everlasting life. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. And with that being said, uh, we have come to the end of tonight's um, teaching. If there are any questions, I'll take about one or two questions. You may open your microphone or you want to text it in. That's fine. Somebody asked a question. Why does the leader bring a less costly sacrifice of goat? Of a goat? Okay. So, we, as I had mentioned before, there are some sins that affect us um, on a wider scale. The sin of the high priest, if we go back to verse 3, I think. His guilt is upon the entire community. He must give a sin offering for the sin he has committed, and that's a bull. Likewise, the, the congregation brings a bull. But let's, let's look on the ritual that takes place again from the high priest. The priest will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence in the tabernacle. Now, the ritual or the rite is taking place inside the holy place. The, burnt, the altar of burnt offering is outside of the holy place. That's the first. Uh, you have to pass through that. If I had a picture of the, the setup of, of the tabernacle, I don't know if Sister James can find one. We put it up there. But the, 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 the priest's sin has affected even the holy place where he ministers. And that's why we find now that the sprinkling of the blood on the horns, not of the horns of the burnt, uh, the, altar, the burnt altar, but now the horns of, uh, of the altar of incense, and that altar is in the holy place. Because he, the priest in the holy place has defiled that area. And the blood must make an atonement. Likewise, when we move on now to the, the, the entire 
Israelite community. The elders of the community must lay their hand on the bull's head. And the high priest will then take some of the blood, the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain. This is taking place again. Uh, we're in the holy place rather. And the blood again is sprinkled on the horns of the altar of incense. defilement must be removed and we remember that everything else that was not used was taken outside the camp and burned now as it relates to now the sin of the leader when he becomes aware of his sin he is to uh, bring an offering a male goat with no defects that's a that's a cheaper um, offering than the young bull or the mature bull. That's much cheaper than the than than the bulls. But watch also where this offering is taking place or this ritual is taking place. It's taking place in the common era, not the holies of holy, not the holy place, but around the burnt offering, because his. His sin has not defiled the holy place. This is the area where all the common people can go. I don't know if we have a do we have a chart up. Okay. This is this is okay. So we have the holy of holies at the, uh, right at the top, and then the holy place, and then the, we have the uh, the the brazen altar. One of the things that we should note too, as we dealt with the the, the, the previous offerings, was the affordability. Jesus, the Lord, we didn't know him as the Lord Jesus Christ as yet. He was not revealed as that. But God made it possible for every individual to be able to afford the right offering to be rendered as an atonement. So this is something that the leaders could have afforded. Another question before we. Um, I have something to say. Does everybody in church have to take notes? Provided. That's good, Sister Tamia. Notes are good. God bless you. Do we have any other question before we join for prayer? Hi, Pastor. Um, this is Christy. Um, I'm a visitor to your church. I just, um, I have a question. So we've been learning about what offerings we have to make when we sin. Um, but now, I guess, since Jesus died for our sins, we, we don't have to make these types of offerings anymore. But, but how do we now, how do we confess our sins now? If, I mean, assuming that, you know, you've accepted Jesus and you believe in him, you know, um, what do we do now to like show that we're sorry or that, you know, I don't know. Oh, well, if we, if we err against the, the Lord, if we have committed a sin, we need to 
Repent of our sins. Confess. Forsake. Repent. Confession. One of the beauty about prayer. That we should all understand. Is that when we approach God in prayer. It is a privilege for us to tell God. Open up to him. We understand from the scripture that God knows everything about us. If I lie, if I told a lie today, let me use myself as an example. If I told a lie and nobody else knows that I lied, God knows. Now when I come to him in prayer, that lie affects me because what what it does, it will prevent me from approaching the Lord. But because I understand that God is a God who forgives, I move beyond my state of guilt and approach him because I know that the sacrifice that he made, the shedding of his blood, was for all of my sins. So I approach him with confidence and I confess to him, Lord, I agree with what you say about me. I'm a liar. I lied. I tell him. Confession means telling him. God knows it. So I tell him, Lord, I lied this morning. And I approach you. I'm leaning upon you. Your blood. I need your blood to cleanse me. And so I... I just lost my train of thought. One second. And so, once I tell him, he understands. I make up in my mind that I'm going to turn. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to continue in this lying habit or whatever it may be. I repent. That's something I'm not going to do anymore. And so, he will forgive The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive us. But but if we cover up our sin, then we we, we won't receive that forgiveness from the Lord. We just need to confess it. To confess, tell him. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. I have a question. Um, so when it says like, um, John called Jesus like the Lamb of God. Um, like, um, did he ever call Jesus Jehovah? Oh, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God," and signified that was that was to signify his purpose of coming into the world. Um, I didn't hear. Um, okay. Okay. Praise the name of the Lord, everyone. Sorry, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so in John, well, I like that you said we can open up in prayer and talk to the Lord. But how then are there some sins that we need to confess to each other? For example where it says in John, where it says, confess your faults one to the other, um, and he's faithful and just, and pray for one another, and the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth what? So it, I've always understood that, that you'd have to confess it to someone else from a point of accountability. So is there some sins that are okay to just be like done in prayer or is there some sins that you need to confess to someone else? Uh, that's all. That's uh, in the matter of accountability, there are some folks who are trapped in a cycle of sinning and uh, you need accountability. They, they say they confess to the Lord, they prayed about it and you find yourself uh, uh, still committing the act. It means you're trapped in a cycle of sin. You need deliverance. And so 
having confessing what the, the, the benefit of confessing a sin to a, a, another person who's and these this person has to be a, a mature person not somewhat somebody who's struggling as you are struggling but a mature individual that uh, when I say mature I mean spiritually mature not necessarily age but a mature individual that can handle it that can keep you accountable, can pray you through, that you'll be delivered from that sin. Are you still here, Jody? I don't yeah, know. yeah, I'm just taking it in. So that means that <laughs> I'm I'm not discrediting anything. So that means that the confess the confession box image. Is it a necessity for someone who is leaning upon the Lord? This confession to each other is really a matter of just being held accountable and leaning together, banding together to fight that that kind of stronghold. I, I, let, let, let's look at it now. The church as an institution, as the body of Christ, when we we think about the church it's an institution of love it's an institution of love now what does this do for the body it allows the spirit to have an effect upon everybody because we understand that if one person we just read through some of these things in Leviticus how sin impact the body or the congregation if one person is ailing it means as a body we're affected and if if we are all a part of Christ's body baptized by this one spirit then it means the love that I have should care for anyone who is struggling not to judge or to condemn rather but to reconcile such a one and also be careful lest we fall in the same trap so it's important thank you you're welcome sister Okay, brothers and sisters, let's unmute our microphones. We're going to be praying at this time.